This is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E. G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I am Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E. G. Black. Hello. And our special guest for this week, Darren Brown. Hi. Hello. So today we're looking at minute 90 and then our bonus minute. And minute 90 opens... I need to load up my notes for minute 90. Well, Robert's notes from minute 90 that I've stolen. Robert, how does minute 90 open? (laughs) Uh, Kit Kat says, I have to leave Jimmy, don't I? And then she says, for good. And I have to stop drinking and stop leaving jobs. And I have to go out with someone nice and boring. It is... I, I do like this whole discussion that we have in a second about nice doesn't always mean boring and... It is a it is mm-hmm. a nice exchange, and it's funny that Mary's example is not Tim. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's sitting right there. It feels like it feels like Curtis speaking out through the films that nice does not equal boring. I mean, of all of all of all yeah. the films full of nice people that you sort of love and you love them for their niceness and their, their, there's just a, a bubble that everybody exists in in this, uh, this, this universe, which, uh, yeah, nice is definitely not, uh, not equally boring, unless you just don't like his films. Mm. Notes that I forgot on Wednesday is that the shot of Tim on the train was his first day filming, uh-huh. and the yeah. hospital they filmed in, uh, that they are filming in in this scene is a real hospital sure. that was in use at the time. Apparently, occasionally, they'd have nurses come and pass saying, oh, sorry, can I squeeze through? And they felt really bad about the fact that they were stopping nurses from actually helping people. Fantastic. Yeah, so then Mary responds, yay, and claps, and I, I, I do love that, that, that little response there. I can't tell what it is that I like about it, but there's just something so normal about it. Yeah. And we, we see how much... And they're know, exhausted, they're exhausted. They're yeah, they've been there for ages. Yeah, yeah. We can see from the lighting and how quickly yeah. it changes. Yeah, we've seen them in at least three different yeah. outfits sitting there, so they've spent time. All you think of was the money off and changing and coming back again and again. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, for the filming, yeah. For the filming, yeah. yeah. It's lovely. And they really do, when you first see them sat there, it really does look like they've been, uh, they've been sat up all night. What, what do you make of the, uh, we were talking last time about the, this realization that both Tim and Kit Kat need to come to, that it's, it's up to them to sort of find the thing within themselves. Uh, Tim needs to not rely on, you know, sort of magic to get where he needs to go and, and, Neither can he use magic on her. She's got to find it herself. But for all that, do you buy this as a moment of transformation for her? Do you get that within the sort of film as we're watching it that she would reach that point on her own in this way? In in film, yes. In reality, no. Right. Yeah, I think she's like, still going to... This realisation is the first step. Mm. There's a lot more. In the film, we're going to keep following Tim, so he's going to have to deal with his stuff, and we get to yeah. get Kat to the side again. Yeah, and if Tim's yeah. narrating, maybe from this point, this is his duty done. He's He's got to go back to his own life. He doesn't know necessarily what's happening with Kit Kat. Or he does, but it's not important it's to not the, important the story to the he's telling. The story, yeah. So whoever he's narrating the story to doesn't need to know. The point of the sequence is just that she realizes it. Yeah. Yeah. Because then her deal, her fixing it and everything else is her story. Is her story, exactly. Which is, yeah, because he's no longer going to manipulate this situation anyway. So, yeah, she's right. I suppose she only, only needs to reach that moment. Yeah. yeah. So, when we cut to daytime, Mary says, and you know, nice isn't always necessarily boring. Mm. Oh, sorry, she didn't say always. I added the word always for some reason. Uh, Kit Kat says, like who? 
and Mary says, Matt Damon? She says, <laughs> okay, I'll go out with Matt Damon. And Richard Curtis <laughs> was, was saying, like, on the commentary, he couldn't think of anyone else who's nice and not boring. And he's, he, and he was listing, like, other, I think they were, I can't remember who it was, I think it might be Dominic West that they said, what about him? And they were like, nah, cause now, cause, it, cause then it was like, nah, cause someone will email in and say either he's horrible or he's, <laughs> or he's boring. Also, I don't think he'd be famous enough for a wider audience. A wider audience, yeah. That is. Matt Damon, everyone knows who he is. Mm. Apparently there was a lot of lines that were cut about her, why doesn't she marry, it was a, Matt Damon's already married, so why don't you marry a Pat Damon or a Nat Damon? And they cut those lines out. <laughs> it sounds like a good choice when heard out of context, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, 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 that Damon, yeah, Matt Damon works. It's a good gag. Yeah, and so then Tim says, uh, tell me, have you seen Jay recently? She says, you're Jay. What, sticky up hair Jay? Looks a bit like a Muppet Jay. <laughs> and Tim says, yes, he just popped into my head. He's always had a crush on you. And Kit Kat obviously responds yeah. to that briefly but yeah. I, I do just think from what we've seen of Jay Rory would have been a better choice to end up with her like Jay is dodgy Jay who supposedly nearly sexually assaulted Joanna in a dark cafe yes. well from Joanna's point of view yes yes and I, I think I even last time I watched it had a slight bump of hang on which is which one's Jay which one's Rory and I think I actually thought he was talking about Rory just because you're right, that does. We don't of, see enough of Jay. Like that makes sense. We see. Yeah. I think we get more of Rory than of Jay. That there's not really, yeah, a reason for both. I like the fact that they both exist and they are similar enough because your friends are similar. <laughs> you know, you're going to hang yeah. around with the same types of people, so it feels more realistic to have two different friends that he calls upon. But it it does get complicated when you're not looking as deep into the film as we are here. Was there a, was there ever more of Jay that was taken out? Do we know? Uh, not that I know of. He's not in any of the deleted scenes. scenes. Mm. I, I feel like there should have been more of Jay. Because we see him briefly at the start when they're playing tennis with Charlotte. Mm. And I don't know. It's just like Jay's just there sometimes. But he's not as memorable as Rory. Jay here is just because maybe the visual of the tennis match is that was Tim trying to be with Charlotte. And then we had Jay and Kit Kat of the other two. And Kit Kat was playing around with Jay. Like, she jumped on him. They were talking apart from Desmond, Charlotte, and Tim when they were walking. So it's, it's easier. She, she does a lot of jumping on people, doesn't she? Which. Yes. Maybe that's the cat, <laughs> bit of the Kit Kat. But. Uh huh. We've said I, that before, yeah. Oh, really? But I, it does, um. It's odd, isn't it? Because you. That also suggests a slightly kind of limpidity, uh. You know, a, um, a neediness or a. Which. Mm-hmm. I sort of. I don't know. It's, it's interesting because it just. It, there's something lovely about it when you first see it, and then you start to notice she does it a lot, and is it a little, actually a little kind of cloying? Uh, and when, as she gets older, she needs to stop. Yeah. Yeah. As Tim yes. matures, Kit Kat doesn't, and I think that's quite significant. Yeah. And possibly, I think even the, the fact, like the constantly wearing purple and the jumping and all of that stuff, mm. it, it sort She's of, a child. yeah, it sort of juxtaposes the adult situation she finds her in and lets us know that essentially she's still, yes, she's still a child. Mm. And that this is how, and also this is essentially how Tim sees her. Assuming we don't yeah. actually hear him say that she's a younger sister, but we assume she's younger and not older. Mm. Um, right. That this is how he views his younger sister. She's a little girl to him. Mm. Who always wears purple and jumps on things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do mm. we have any other thoughts on 90 before we go into our bonus minute? 
Uh, I like the Kit Kat doesn't call Jay dodgy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> she does. She doesn't think of him that way. Yeah, I think this is. We like the. Um, we like the fact she's finding. So it's it's a it's a funny line to tread, isn't it? She's she's found something kind of ordinary, and that's that's sort of what's lovely about the film. That's at the heart of the film. Um, I would I would have a note from the first time I saw this movie. This moment, this choice made me mad at Tim. Right. Yeah. Because he could still try to like stop the accident, but ultimately, even with time travel possible, he has to let the accident happen. She has to hit some sort of rock bottom, mm. so she has the urge to change herself. Yeah, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? He's so oh, he's making a choice between. But the first time, I was like, yeah. you can't let her almost die exactly, just so yeah. you can have your kid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's... It it doesn't it, it tightly sticks, doesn't it? It's not a it's not an easy. Moment. I suppose he knows she's fine. Right. He knows she's going to be in, you know, she could be in hospital and she's fine. Um, but, uh, yes, it is odd. And we're, we're taking a lot in at the same time, aren't we? The business of not being able to go back and who this other child is. Right. And we're slowing it down. So it's like I focus in on this moment. And yeah. Now I don't feel as bad about it because what else is he going to do? And suddenly these characters, Kit and Jay, are suddenly coming to the fore in a way that's mm-hmm. slightly, slightly unexpected. So yeah, it's a, it is a bit of a jarring, it's a bit of a jarring resolution to this sort of, uh, story. So when we look at the bonus minute, we often don't look at it in, in as much detail because obviously we've mm. visited the minutes beforehand. But it's just what, what sort of, uh, so we said gave you minute seven, which is Tim and his dad talking about time travel. Just, just what are your overall thoughts on that minute, really? Uh, first time I saw it, not knowing where the film was going to go, hadn't seen any trailers or anything. Um, I, it really threw me that, okay, this is where this film is going. And I just loved it in the same moment. I loved the fact that this is where a film like this, that felt like this and had this really homespun feel to it in, in the best way. I mean, I just, there's a lovely, don't know what it is, just in the texture of the, of the film. It's just so, just lovely and, 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 yeah, uh, that it was gonna, that it was gonna go that way and be, and be dealt with in a quite sort of British Richard Courtesy kind of way that that was, that was going to be the tone of it. And that, you know, you're gonna go and stand in a cupboard, that was gonna, that was your time traveling device was gonna be, you know, a, a cupboard, something really domestic and again mm. sort of... Essentially British. what the TARDIS was in the first place, like, I'd imagine, you know, the, the idea of the police box normalized it for a bit, but then that became thought of more as a Doctor Who thing than as a normal object. That yes. I, yeah, I think it's sort of... I think I said before, it normalises time travel by making it look so stupid that it makes it a realistic <laughs> film that happens to be about time travel. Yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah, completely. And I, I, So it's sort of... It's a really beautiful thing. And plus, if it wasn't for both actors, both Donald and, and um, Bill Nye, so... Just so gorgeous, aren't they? And so, particularly for a scene like this, they're just—it's just hits that so perfectly. It's written beautifully. It's so affectionate between them. Uh, there's so much going on with this sort of bizarre bit of plot that's being explained that it's—it's it's amazing to sort of be able to really hit that. I've also secretly liked. I'd love to know whether this was ever a, a choice. I'm sure it wasn't. That. Bill Nye seems to have a you know a, a thing with his hands. I think maybe these these fingers are locked here. Am I imagining that? I've seen yeah, a lot of films. That's, that's what and it this, is, yeah. And here is a character who's had to clench his fist sort of again and again and again and again. And there's a lovely sort of slight, you know, has this sort of sort of 
slightly trigger fingery thing come out of come out of that, which is really nice because he's very he's sort of silhouetted, isn't he? So you're very mm. you're very aware of it during that scene, um, more so than I have been in other films. I don't know whether it's something you sort of generally it seems to go slightly under the under the radar. But I kind of love his hands that. are definitely more noticeable in this and Love Actually than normal. Like yeah. I think, I, yeah, like I think there's so many films where you don't really notice Bill Nye's hands. I can't remember what I think we discussed it before, but I can't remember what it's called. Du- it's, I don't know how you pronounce it, but Dupatrin's contracture. Just oh, there you go. Well, it's, it's perfect. It's just perfect for someone that's yeah clenched um, his fist so much that it, it does yeah. I also love his body language of these kind of the scene where he's saying something that would be sort of awkward and embarrassing, but at the, but at the same time to someone he loves so much. So there's a. Whereas you might expect a kind of a closed sort of language because he's holding back what he's saying. It's it's so beautiful and and, and open and and uh, I I don't think it's in minute seven, but there's a nice moment in the scene where he gets quiet again and he leans on the chair. Yes, and so like it's it's sort of like that point where he closes his arms because he's waiting to see what happens. Yes. But yeah, as he's talking, he's his hands are all over the place. Yeah, and this is our first introduction to the dad, and it's so brilliant. Like, yeah. I mean, I know we have, yeah. we know, I know we have it, like the narrated introduction at the start, but his first lines are yeah. are in this whole exchange just the minute before the one you've got here. Um, so, Darren, if you had to go back in time to any point yeah. in your life to either relive it or change something about it, um, what moment in your life would you choose? Oh my god. Uh... Wow, um, it's funny. God, even just being asked that question just reminds me of this of this film. Uh, I I think I'm with I'm with Richard Curtis on this. I think the idea of going back and changing anything feels wrong for all of these all of these reasons. Um, uh, I ha- I have no. There's nothing. There's nothing in me that that becomes an appealing. There's nothing I'd feel I'd want to change. The how, how you kind of deal with the things in your life that are you know frustrating or, or difficult is precisely what life is isn't it and and so i i i don't i i don't think i i don't think i would i totally get where bill nye has got to in this and it's sort of it's no longer um something he needs to do uh so i'd i'd, I'd let it go i think it's surprising with this show that it took this far for a guest <laughs> to say no <laughs> Oh really? Uh, do you not get do you not get that a lot? I, th- I thought you would. I thought, particularly after someone's just watched this film. Mm. Every, every time I've been waiting for the guest to say it, but no. So that that's great. Is there anything of yours specifically to promote this Friday? Can we tend to go slightly more specific on a Friday? It's specific Friday. <laughs> um, well, I I'm I just relaunched um, my tour, so I've got this tour that got delayed because of all this stuff. Uh, which is going around. Uh, so we've just relaunched it. Uh, Who knows so, what the world will be like in September when they're listening? <laughs> I, yeah. So oh, this, this goes out in September. We, we've launched. We've launched it for February uh, 2021. So hoping things are all good by then and sort of ready to go. And that you know, theatre. You sort of feel like theatre is one of the last things that will mm-hmm. be all right to do. So, but I'm you know, I'm I'm hoping. I'm you know. Having ear to the ground on that in that kind of world at the moment, it feels like there's a general there is a confidence that that will be okay by then. So that's that really. Other than that, I have nothing to promote. I just love this film and was really interested to talk to you guys about it and find out what uh, what you thought. Oh, I'm definitely going to try and get hold of tickets to come see your show in wherever's nearest to me. I don't know, probably Wolverhampton. I'm in Shropshire, so oh, lovely. Oh yeah, Wolverhampton ground. That's a lovely place. To um, go. So where can they find you on social media? Uh, 
Uh, you can find me on, I'm, I'm Darren Brown. I'm Darren Brown on Twitter and Darren Brown on uh, Instagram. And uh, that's it. I'm also darrenbrown.co.uk, which is where we live. And Robert, What's where can I find it? you? Uh, Robert E.G. Black on social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd, IMDb. I think I still have an active Tumblr, but I don't use it. <laughs> My name's easy, because the middle initials I always was unique, so... Otherwise, lemmingdrops.com to find links to all my podcasts and blog and everything else. Yeah, as we've said before, the middle initials are very important. Um. <laughs> yes. If you just search Robert Black, you'll find a Scottish serial killer. What, what your listeners uh, are being denied is the reflection of some excellent sort of 70s, it's either wallpaper or a screensaver in Robert's glasses. It, it's the carpet it's from The Shining. It's is the it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is the carpet. Now I know what it is. Okay. <laughs> that's been bugging me throughout a lot of this. Like, where have I seen it and what are you looking at? Okay, that's that's what it is. Okay, great. And uh, they can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero, Instagram at Ginger Luke, Facebook Luke Allen Film, all podcasts, radio appearances, newspaper articles, short films, anything I'm involved in though that mentions me somewhere is probably linked at lukeallen.co.uk. This show is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Mins About Time. They can join our Facebook group, The Cupboards, to discuss anything to do with this podcast, the show, what guests you don't like. You know, talk all about it <laughs> over in the cupboard. And uh, I forgot to search for an interesting goodbye again. Heck, hang on. I loaded up a website and then forgot. Here we go. And um, we'll see you on the flip side. Ah, the flip side. Yeah, I'll just end the recording. Thanks so much for joining us, Darren. Hey, The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. Actually, one thing I was going to ask is, like, how, how do you cast some of the actors for some of your experiments? Oh, oh for the actors in it, yeah. Well, we we sort of... It's difficult, actually, because you want people that are going to be able to improvise around the situation, which is a very different skill base to, you know, scripted acting, but also be able to actually, like, act really well in high drama as well, which a lot of improvisers aren't necessarily great at, because that's not quite their skill base either. So it's difficult. And, I, and throughout... Most of these things that we've done, I think we just we just put the word out, and probably a few people apply, and then we have little auditions and uh, sit and watch people come in and get them to improvise around things. The difficult bit throughout it, I, Robert, I don't know if you know my, my work at all, but oh yeah, these I've, are generally I've watched your stuff since uh, since you made Simon Pegg like a uh, I think you needed a bicycle. So the Really? Oh man, oh, that's, oh, that's so nice. Um, early 2000s. Can't yeah, probably it was 2004. But I was going to say, it's the actors that have actually end up being, well, it's, if you think that they're manipulating somebody through something that is real for that person, potentially really dark for them, they, they know it's going to end up at a good place, yeah. but they've got, they are like bearing that responsibility of putting somebody through it's like the most awful joke you're playing on somebody and again and again this has happened that you know we're rehearsing it and it's all you know fun finding it away before this person is anything to do with it we're we're working that out between us in rehearsal rooms and the practice time we have for it 
and then they go into it, and particularly in the push. Yeah. But they, the guy, so the guy in it who's his main, the main actor in it who's, so Chris is the guy that's going through it, doesn't know he's part of it, and then he's got this guy that's sort of his, his, his connection to this sort of company and this party, the one that helps him. He was just like, going through all sorts of tra- trauma and darkness and felt so responsible for it. every time there was a chance that he could sort of break out. And of course, we did it a few times, as you, if you've seen it, you know yeah. that. So you, you see it, and in between, they're all just dealing with the guilt of what they've just done and then knowing they've got to do it again. And this ha- this happens a lot. And actually, the person's, the main person that's going through it, their emotional journey is sort of, we know that's fine, that's going to be taken care of. They'll be in a good place by the end of it because there's so much effort and weight that goes into that. Whereas meanwhile, it's the actors that end up being hard, you know, the hardest pe- people to deal with. And the number of times, the number of times when people apply to, to come on the show and then you say that they're not through and they are, I mean, do you, have you had people sort of suspect that they are through now? Is it, is it sort of a worry that they're always going to be on edge after a Possibly, time? yeah. That, well, that hasn't quite happened yet. I think the, the first show where we actually said that and then we told them that they weren't going to be used, I, think we haven't done one since then that's used exactly that same process but yeah once you've said it that does kind of make it a bit difficult to to do it again but when they when they come in there's normally like a big audition day which you see normally at the beginning of the show there's a sense of like this sub-audition that's happened so they sign a thing then that basically says we can secretly film you we can it's like it's a, it's a release form for the whole thing so they've kind of done it there um the rules i think are probably different in uh in America. I don't quite know what mm-hmm. the differences are, but I know there are there are differences. And then I think that's all we need from them. But we then get them to we're very get them very involved in the process of the show coming together. We make sure they come and watch it and understand it and everything, and sort of made that adjustment before it goes out and you know meets with whatever reaction it does. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's good fun, and hopefully there'll be a new one soon when all this stuff uh, allows us to film again. Um, but thank you, thank you for making me sit and think about this film. And well done, well done for, you know, making this happen around the wrong bits as well and making it feel like a cohesive thing. That was uh, amazing. All right, thank you so much. Thank you both. It'd be lovely to meet you. Thanks for having me. Good night. Bye-bye.